Ready for some word today? Praise God. Let's go to Psalm 16. Psalm, the 16th chapter. If you haven't been with us, uh, you can get caught up on the website or you can download the app for your smartphone and get all these messages, at least the audios, uh, for free. It doesn't cost you a thing. And you can get caught up. We're, we've been in a series for a little while. And uh, I'm still excited about it. Man, I'm just, the Lord's doing some good things in here. And uh, I've, I've called this series, The Good Life. I'm not sure if it's the best title. I, I was thinking this week, thinking The Happy Life might have been a better title. Happy Life. No? Okay. Um, um, <laughs> the sad life. How about that? Uh, anyway, <laughs> come on, stir it up, you guys. I'm, I'm having a good time whether you are or not, so you might as well. I'm blessed to be here, and the presence of the Lord is on me strong, so sometimes I can just enjoy without saying a thing. But that won't be very profitable for you. So we'll keep going here. Uh, let's continue today. Let's get into some stuff. Uh, Psalm 1611 is our text. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. And so pleasure, joy, this is the presence of God, and He's leading us into it. Can you see that? This is the path of life. The path of life includes God's abundant joy and pleasure. If we're lacking joy and pleasure in our life, we need to get on the path. All right? We're on the wrong path, going the wrong way, thinking the wrong way. We need to get on the right path and begin to uh, enjoy uh, the benefits of God's presence. It's not just our sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven someday. It's the Lord is in our life now and His very presence, the essence of Him, fills us completely. Far supersedes any joy or pleasure of this natural world. He brings us full contentment and joy. Amen. And if that's lacking in our life, again, let's get on the path. Did you realize it's possible to be saved for a very long time, to be in church, to be, uh, you know, serving the Lord for a very long time, but, you know, miss out on certain elements of the potential of that relationship and not even know it? Have you ever uh, gone on a trip, taken your camera, took many pictures of many things, and when you got home, put them on your computer, and you start looking at them, and they've all got this blurry spot on them? And you think, oh. And then you get out your camera, you look at the lens, and there it is. He had a little smudge right on the lens, and it, it affected everything you looked at through that camera on your trip. And every picture, you're always going to have that stupid little smudge there, right? You think, think it's possible that... Uh, We've had some experiences in life through religion, through tradition, through an experience, through some other person telling us something, and they put a little smudge on our lens, and, and, and we kind of didn't even realize it was there, and maybe if we did, we thought it was supposed to be there, and we thought, well, that's just the way life is. Sometimes people have a smudge, and they just have to learn to live with that smudge their whole life, and so everything they do has a little smudge to it. In other words, they see things all through that lens, and it might just not be abundantly clear. 
But I'm seeking, I'm seeking the Lord to help every single one of us to get our lens clean. So we can see God in absolute accuracy. Say, say, well, if I had a smudge, certainly I would know it and I'd clean it off. Are you sure? Are you sure you would know it? I've found that with me, oftentimes I don't know it right away. And it takes some revelation from the Lord. It takes some clear insight from the Spirit of God for me to see that there was a smudge there. And I, I didn't want it there, but I just didn't know it was there. But when it's removed... Oh, how much better things really are. Oh, how high I can see the Lord clear and experience His life in my life on a greater level. Praise God. And so uh, we, were, we were discussing last week as I, as I finished some of the, that teaching that uh, the things of the world will never satisfy us. The eyes of man are never satisfied. And if people are looking for their fulfillment in this life, in the world or the flesh, they'll always come up empty. They'll always be longing for more. And I always need more. And it'll never be fully satisfied. But just the opposite is the case with the righteous, with those who have a genuine relationship and clear lens and a connection with God, that even in the midst of turmoil and trouble all around, we got something on the inside that makes us glad, that makes us happy, that fulfills our life. And no matter what is happening around you, you can have great joy in the middle of it. And that joy actually will serve to assist and help you to overcome those things because the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? And when we have the Lord's strength operating in us, there's nothing that can stand against us. There's nothing that can, that can uh, come before us, and, and the Lord is greater in us. Amen. I tell you, the healer in you is greater than the sickness outside of you. I'm talking in your spirit. The, the, the healer in your spirit, the person, the Lord Jesus Christ, is greater than any sickness in your body. The joy of the Lord Himself. He, the joy giver, is greater in you than any kind of sadness or depression or circumstance that would try to sap that from your life. Amen. So let's always remember that. Amen. Always to remind yourself by even thanking the Lord and say, Lord, you're stronger in me than this thing that's against me. You're greater in me than anything around me. Praise God. And so my, my desire and my hope it has been over the last couple of months that your prayer life has really changed. That you've been experiencing more, you know, more powerful encounters with the, the Spirit of God that, that leaves you with a, a greater sense of, of gladness, of, of satisfaction, and even at times intoxication. You know what I'm talking about? Where you come away from your time with the Lord and it's like, Woo! <laughs> nice. Glory to God. I mean, it goes beyond just an explanation. And if you ever had experiences with God that were hard to articulate and explain to someone else, if so, that's a good thing. I mean, the Apostle Paul had that. I mean, remember, he had that one trip to heaven and uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, and he came back and, and he said, there's, there's stuff I just, I just don't know how to tell you. You know, some translations say that they were unlawful for him to utter, and sometimes people think that was just a rule against him. You're not allowed to say anything. Uh, I don't believe that's what that means at all. No. It, just, it, has, it has to do with things that, were, uh, that went beyond knowledge. 
that we talked about before. You can experience the love of God and the peace of God, and it goes beyond knowledge. It goes beyond uh, your ability to articulate and explain it. There are things in God that you can experience that are hard to write down. It's just, you just want to say, whoa. (laughs) I have a friend that we sometimes make fun of him because he uses that language a lot whenever he talks about something that's kind of over the top. He says, it was like, whoa. (laughs) But uh, at the same time, we ought to have experiences with God that leave you saying, whoa. (laughs) What happened? Uh, mm, It's good. It's nice. I'm enjoying it. It's good. So what what about that trouble you were dealing with? trouble? Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) I was with the Lord and I forgot all about it. It's probably taken care of now. Amen. So let's continue walking with God. And like we said in the very beginning of this series, let's continue drinking from the river of His pleasure. And uh, and it's really there for us all to drink from. Look Look with me at Luke chapter 12. Luke the 12th chapter. I want to give you some more principles that kind of explain and govern our, the kingdom of God and how we can operate in it so we can avoid seeing things incorrectly or approaching life and circumstance and all these things in a way that will leave us empty, that will leave us discontent. And there are, there are some simple principles, uh, you know, that control these things. If you, if you ever find your, your life, your fulfillment, in your possessions, you're going to be left empty. Even though they'll give you a temporary thrill, you know, they'll give you a temporary high, you know, an experience in the physical world and a, a possession, a, you know, make a bunch of money, go on a trip, whatever. You can get some temporary things. They're never lasting. Jesus warned us against placing our trust in these things and, uh, and warned us also, these things also lead to fights. Whenever someone becomes too material-minded, they start fighting with people. Whenever someone tries to get it, whenever someone tries to, whenever they're losing, when someone tries to get something from them, it leads to conflict and strife. One day Jesus was, you know, doing His ministry, and it says in Luke 12, verse 13, then one from the crowd said to Him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) You ever been in that situation? inheritance battles. And uh, obviously they had an inheritance situation here and the brother wasn't cooperating or at least not doing what this guy thought he, would, he should do, so he tried to get Jesus involved. Maybe you've tried to get Jesus involved in yours. Lord, make them, make them do this. Or maybe you said it in a more Christian way. You said, Lord, move on their heart uh, and reach down inside them where no man can touch. And, and, and turn them so they'll give me the money that's mine. It's interesting how Jesus responded to this guy. <laughs> but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? <laughs> Not your typical response that you would think you might get from the Lord. He said, I'm not having anything to do with this. You're on your own. Take care of it. Deal with it yourself. He said, I'm not getting in the middle of your fuss and fight with your, with this, with your brother over your inheritance. But then he turned to the crowd and he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. 
And so Jesus gave, he wiped some stuff off the lens, didn't he? He gave them a clearer picture. Your life is not about the things that you have. And if you're going to be fussing and fighting and arguing with people over stuff all day, he said, you're, you've missed the point. You've got to watch out for covetousness. How many know the Lord is not opposed to you being rich, but he is opposed to you being covetous? Okay, we got to get our mind off and stop thinking our lives are about that stuff. No, we enjoy the blessings of God and the good things He gives us, but we are not defined by it. And if we are, uh, uh, let me say it again, dissatisfaction is at our door. Discontentment, and we're not going to enjoy life and the good pleasure that can only be found in His presence when we're looking for it in this world stuff. Okay? And so... uh, this is what the Lord dealt with him, them about. You know, often people do look to God when they run into a financial situation or at some kind of despair in their life. I think there are more and more people in the coming days and years that are going to hit rock bottom in the sense that they're going to lose everything. I think there's some, there are some uh, great you know, downsides to our world in the direction that it's going, and people are going to lose stuff, and the, you know, the world is going to change greatly. With some, they will cry out in despair to the Lord, and He'll save them, and He'll be merciful, and He'll be kind to them. Others will do the opposite. They'll, you know, they'll take their own life. They'll go the wrong direction. But if you're not in a situation of of ultimate despair and that kind of stuff, you don't have to go there. If you're there, look up. Look to where your help comes from. But you don't have to go there. You can be blessed and everything be fine and still recognize that the Lord needs to be your satisfier. He needs to be the the one who brings full contentment, joy, and pleasure in your life. And if you'll get there before going there, then you don't have to. Amen. Let's be smarter than, than having to always have one choice. You know what I'm talking about? Well, there's nowhere I could turn. I was laying flat on my back, and I finally looked up to the Lord. How many know that doesn't mean the Lord put you flat on your back? Oh, I'm just thanking God I was in the hospital, because that's when I found the Lord. Well, fine, but I found the Lord, and I didn't go to the hospital. Well, I'm just glad I I, I was bankrupt and lost everything I owned because then I finally turned to the Lord. I'm glad you turned to the Lord. But I didn't go bankrupt and I found the Lord anyway. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that way. Right? Why don't we just be smart and go all in with Him when we're not necessarily at the bottom of the, uh, the barrel, bottom of our life. All right. Let's go over to Philippians. I got some more things to say. I think we'll help today. Philippians chapter 1. This is one of these principles that, I don't know, the, 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 the words that I think of when I read these scriptures that I'm about to read is, is Spin. All right. Anybody know about spin? Oftentimes, it's used um, in 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 politics. I'm not talking about knitting or anything like that. Uh, you know, in, in politics, they will 
different people will argue and say you're, you're spinning the issue. You're spinning it to make your side look right, and someone else will spin it to make the other side look right. And uh, have you ever seen O'Reilly on TV, and he has the no-spin zone, right? In other words, he's saying we're just dealing with the facts or whatever. Uh, this, um, in Philippians, is Paul almost what I would call spinning, but not in a negative way, not distorting truth, but spinning on purpose for an ultimately better result. Okay, Let, let's read here, beginning in verse 12. Paul writes here, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, just for a moment here, think about this. The things that happened to him are what? He's in prison, okay? He's in a little cell. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And so he said, the stuff that happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What's he doing? He's pointing to the good. Let me just back up for a moment. Is going to prison good? Anybody long for that? You know, your own room, uh, maybe a roommate, you know, come best buds, you got meals, you got uh, prison. Nice, right? No. Inherently bad. Don't want to go. Paul's not saying here, man, I got this awesome room. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. No, he's not. But he is in a bad situation. They're not because of his own sin, but because of the persecution of others. But he's starting to turn the perspective of what's happened to him. Okay? Verse 13, So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. In other words, everyone knows why I'm here. They know I'm here because of Jesus. For preaching Jesus and the gospel, not here because I robbed the bank. Verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident in my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now think about what he's saying. I mean, would anyone, would any one of us even write this kind of letter? Or would it be, dear Philippians, it stinks in here. I'm hungry and cold. I'm sleeping on a rock, uh, Whatever and go on the conditions, please have the church pray for me. Would someone post this uh, on Facebook for me so get everybody praying because I need to get out of here? That's not what he's saying. But I think that might be the way a whole lot of us would respond. But he's saying, no, look, this, this, this happened and this happened and this happened and these people are being helped. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. He said, some are preaching for the wrong reason, some are preaching for the right reason. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Okay, so people are talking, they're talking about Jesus, and their whole motive is to make Paul suffer. We want him to suffer more. But look what Paul's doing with this. He said, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. 
He's in prison, in the cell. Things are not going well from that standpoint, but he's looking for a reason to rejoice. And he said, some, they're preaching Jesus to make it worse for me. But at least they're preaching Jesus. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? They're still talking about the Lord. He said, I'm rejoicing. (laughs) Some might say, nice spin, Paul. You're still in prison. He knows that. And he's doing this on purpose. He's got a good attitude. He's full of the love of God. He is living, watch, even though he's in a bad physical place, he's still living in the presence of God. He knows that there is fullness of joy. There is peace and satisfaction every moment of his day. He's living his existence out of heaven, not out of the physical world around him. So he's, pen, he's penning the letter here, sitting in prison. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This, this happened and this happened and this happened. Man, I am rejoicing and I am glad about this. See, he learned this a while ago because he knew how to rejoice. He had been in prison before. You read Acts 16, remember when he and Silas were in prison in the stocks and they, they were beaten, their backs were bleeding, and in the middle of it, in the midnight hour, they were singing praises to God and praying out loud. Everyone else was listening and they're down there, you know, all shackled up and locked up and hallelujah, glory, hallelujah, come on, get the beat going, hallelujah, you know. And they're singing and rejoicing and being glad the presence of God was on them strong. And they're, they're enjoying their life in the middle of it. The, 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 remember the earthquake shook and all the doors opened and everything happened. There's a, a possibility for all of us to live out of the presence of God and not live out of the circumstance. Out of the things that are going on around us. In what way can you, can you spin what's been going on in your life? See, watch, we can focus on it and be truthful, be accurate, just laying it out clear, not telling a lie. We can be truthful and and say things clear, but still be focusing on the wrong thing. And no one would be able to accuse you of telling something that was a lie. You were were telling it the the way it was, but it didn't help, and it didn't serve to get you out or change things, what I'm encouraging you today is to get the spin on. In other words, we're looking for positives. We're looking for God in every situation. All right? Now, I'm not talking about this. Let me, let me clarify. I'm not talking about the individual who, who's been taught uh, uh, incorrectly, yeah, hey, if you've got uh, a diagnosis of a, a cancer in your life, you should just thank the Lord for that cancer. Just thank Him for everything. Ah! No. No, we don't thank the Lord for things He doesn't do. He's the healer, not the cancer giver. Amen. It'd be, it'd be like if, if you came up to me after the service today and said, Pastor, I just want to thank you for dinging my door in the parking lot. Thank you for messing my car up. I would say, I didn't ding your door. I don't ding doors. Huh? I've been dinged before, and I will not ding your door. And so what are you doing talking to me about that? You don't thank me. I don't have anything to do with that. Right? And there's things that we don't thank the Lord for. But I'm going to know in the middle of that situation. What can we do? 
we can, we can begin to put our eyes on something else. And thank the Lord for His promise. Thank the Lord that by His stripes we're healed. Thank the Lord for the victory that we live in and possess in Christ. Thank you that He is our ever-present help in time of need. He is our Savior and He's the greater one that lives on the inside of whom the enemy cannot come against. Huh? There's always something to rejoice over. There's always something to be thankful for. Not in the wrong thing, but look for something else. I wonder today how many of us have recognized the Lord's help in our lives today. Or, if that's too tight, this past week. Have acknowledged you know, recognized, acknowledged, given voice to, given thanks for the Lord's help in some way. Someone might say, well, I don't really know that the Lord did anything for me this week. Here's the thing, though. I don't really believe that. I, I believe that the Lord helped every single one of us in some way, but most of us did not recognize most of those helps if you will. And we've somehow, I think we've trained our mind. We think, well, no one walked on water. No one was raised from the dead. You know, no manna fell on my lawn in the morning. So, no, I haven't really experienced God lately. You know, I haven't really uh, had any results of manifestations of the Lord in my life. And so if we define it just by that, I think we never get to that. I'm convinced the Lord helped all of us, probably many times already this morning, by bringing things to our remembrance, things we would have forgotten but didn't. And we thought, well, that's just how things work. No, that's how the grace of God fills the earth, and He helps people who don't even acknowledge Him. But for us... We need to start acknowledging Him, seeing and recognizing what He's doing. You know, you miss this potential car accident, and it didn't happen. And you just said, whew, good thing I missed that. No, how about, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Huh? You know, different things that happen and you know, you, you got the business, you got the job, you, you, you missed out on this thing that could have gone wrong. You know, you're in your office and everyone's coming down with something, but you're not. And, and you just thought, well, you know, I've got good whatever. It's my medical knowledge right there. <laughs> got good genes. <laughs> got a good immune system. Uh, no. How about, thank you, Lord. You are my, you are my protector. You help me. So, someone said, well, what if, I, what if I got it wrong? What if the Lord really didn't help me and it was just natural? And, uh, and uh, you know, what if I'm thanking Him for that and He didn't even do it? I think He's going to forgive you. <laughs> he's such a nice guy. He's going to let you off the hook. You're not going to be punished for that. <laughs> but you know what's more likely is that he is helping all of us in different ways but the thing is the more we see it on purpose we have to train our eye for this or we'll not see it we see it acknowledge it and and give him thanks for it the more we start to see him at work in greater ways continually 
And before you know it, you're on a roll. And you think, you know what, I might as well just ask for something. Because Jesus said, whatever you ask, you receive. Oh, yeah. Some people have gotten in a rut, I think, of this, where they've personally been struggling with an issue, a health issue, or a financial issue, or something, and it's been sticking around for a long time. They know better, meaning they know their experience is not lining up with the Word. And they're right about that. I mean, they know God promised them one thing, but for whatever reason, they haven't been able to figure it out. It hasn't been happening in their life. They haven't been able to get the victory. And yet, you know, they even sometimes feel bad because it's not working, yet they don't want to say it's not working because that wouldn't be faith. And, you know, they got this battle going on and this struggle, but they know their ultimate experience is not yet lining up with the Word of God. And, uh, but here's what can happen is they get so focused on their failure on their lack of reception, on whatever is not quite working out right, that really their faith is in decline in the middle of their standing. And the way that we can reverse that trend is to be, we need to acknowledge some victories. Even if they're somewhat small, even if they're not whatever, you're not going to write them and turn them in as a testimony for them to be read before the church, whatever, but you personally acknowledge them and say, thank you, Lord, you just saved me from that, didn't you? Well, look at that, the parking spot right in the front at the mall by the door just happened to open up right when I pulled in. Thank you, Lord. Someone said, well, that might not, that might not have been God. Yeah, it might have been too, though. And I'd rather train myself to be mindful and, and seeing of good things than to notice every stinking thing that's wrong in the earth and every idiot who drives bad and every person who says the wrong thing and I'm quick at, you know, judging everyone's motive and everything else. How ungodly is that? And that removes us from the greater operations of His grace in our lives when we're so quick to see the wrong thing. Paul's in the middle of wrong all around him, and yet rejoicing and able to count them off. Bam, this happened, and this happened, and this is the result of me being here, and these people are empowered, and and all this stuff is going on. He said, I'm going to rejoice in this. Hallelujah. And he knew it would have meant to rejoice. It was verbal. It was out loud. It was smile on the face, and it wasn't fake. It was the real thing. And I tell you, the presence of God comes in on a person's life when they'll do that, especially in the midst of dark situations. Oh, He'll fill you. Mm, bam. Light up your face like Stephen. You'll glow like the noonday sun with the presence and glory of God. Hallelujah. You ever been to those, uh, those stores? Sometimes like a, I've seen these at, at malls in times past uh, out in the, at the front win, uh, window, um, they've got these pictures with all the dots on them, all the different colors and dots and, or some kind of patterns and stuff, and you're supposed to look at them and see the, the shape or the animal or something that's in there, and, and you, you know, you walk by, you look at it, and it looks like nothing, and then people are gathering around, and you look at it, your friends look at it, and everyone's staring at it, and trying to see something, and it's like, there's nothing there. And then finally someone will see it, and they go, oh yeah, yeah there it is, yeah, oh, it's right there. You can't see it? <laughs> How many have ever been the one that didn't see it? Yeah, it's like, 
There's nothing there. You're making that up. <laughs> but then, you, you know, you, I, I, I've been on both sides. Times when I'm like, no, there's nothing there. I don't see a thing, and I'm tired of looking at it. <laughs> you can believe whatever you believe, but I don't know. You're on drugs. Um, no, but there's other times where I've stayed with it, and, you know, they, sometimes there's instructions like, look past it. You know, look through it, and you kind of see it with your peripherals or something. And so you're, you know, <laughs> you're trying to do all this stuff and tweak your eyes and, and, and make yourself see it. But then when you do, it's obvious, isn't it? Someone said, I don't know. I've never seen it yet. <laughs> it's really there. But when you find it, when you discover it, you learn how to see it. And you could go up to it again. It might take you a second, but it's like, and there it is. And you always recognize it from that, from that point in that particular design or, or, or picture. In similar ways, I think we need to train ourselves to see the right things. See, we can just go along and just see what, what is obvious to everyone else, which is usually an absence of God, an absence of His help and His presence in our lives and all these good things. Or we can train ourselves to see the good stuff. And have a reason to rejoice and be glad. And in the middle of that, man, I tell you, God's presence fills that, that heart and that mind that thinks that way. Amen. Even when we're talking about joy and pleasure and, and the presence of God, I would encourage you this way. When you pray, when you worship, don't focus on the joy in the sense of, I'm going after some of some joy juice here today. Uh, you know, I'm going after, uh, after this pleasure of, of heaven. Just go after Him. When I, go, when I say go after, I don't mean that he's, far, he's far and He's not present, but uh, put your focus on Him. I just worship Him. But in my heart now, I'm trained. I know these things are there. I know these things are present. And so I'm just Endeavoring to see Jesus, what He's doing, what He's saying, what he's, how He's moving. I'm looking at Him. And in the middle of this, what happens? Joy, pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, happy life. Yeah, but I've got to see Him. It, it's, like, it's like the person who wants to uh, believe God and pray in faith and stand on His Word. And so all they do is focus on their faith. And we know Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith and, and so forth. And that's a most outstanding Bible and kingdom principle that we need to live and walk and speak and everything by faith. But how many know if a person is always staring at their faith, they're staring at the wrong thing? I just need to build my faith. I need to strengthen my faith. Yes, fine. Maybe that's true. But you know how you do it? By looking at Jesus. By looking at what He did, by what He said, by, by, by what He provided. When I'm staring at the, at, at the answer, at the promise, at the provision, my faith is automatically strong. But when I'm focused on me, ah, I'm weak, I'm not sufficient, I'm lacking in some way. All I'm going to do is magnify what I'm staring at, my insufficiencies, my lack, and so forth. So, so I don't have a very strong faith. So forget about it. Forget about it. Start looking at Jesus, what He said, what He did, and your faith will get strong without you even know, knowing that it's happening. Before you know it, just like you're a faith giant. Amen, amen. Come on, what are you going to look at? 
Well, how are you going to spend stuff in life? How are you going to deal with, with things? If stuff goes south in this world like it seems to continually go, things get worse, how are you going to deal with that? You've got to have your own secret place in the Most High. Uh, your, your personal place with the Lord where you see Him. Because He's greater. He's better. He's more fulfilling than anything around you. Amen. If the stock market crashes, you can be, you know, like the, the stories of people jumping out of windows. Or you can say, my, my joy was never found there. My life was never in that. Even if you're in it, you know, with a lot of money. But your joy's not there. Your fulfillment's in Him, so everything's going to be fine. I'll be back. Why? Because the Lord is my strength and my shield. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, the Bible uses spins, if you will, if that's the right language like this. You know, Scriptures say many are the afflictions of the righteous. But how many know that's not the end of the verse? Scripture says, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. It acknowledges, yes, there's junk in this world. <laughs> However, but, I mean, it's important to have your butt in the right place. But God, but the Lord delivers, but He's the healer, but He is my help. He is my strength. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You know, one of the keys to great fulfillment and satisfaction in life is death. Die to your selfish desires. Die to thinking about me and my needs and what about my needs and, and what about me? And if you, dead people don't think that way and they're easy to please. And if, my, if I am dead to all the things that I want and desire, this is what the key, one of the kingdom keys is, is that's when it happens. That's when it works for you. Hallelujah. Look, look over at Luke 9. We'll finish there. Luke chapter 9. One of, the, one of the whole themes of that whole book of Philippians is selflessness. Paul was a selfless person. It's why he was content. It's why he was full of joy. It's why he, in the middle of bad circumstances, still had a smile on his face and he wasn't faking it. He's like literally doing good. Stories throughout the ages tell of people persecuted to the death. It's happening in our world today by the thousands and thousands. People are being persecuted. Christians are being persecuted and put to death. And so many times we hear, we hear stories of them going out with a smile. I mean, in the middle of things that would cause them great pain, great suffering, and yet they're singing. They're singing a song on the way out. You know, like, uh, you know, Stephen, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them for throwing rocks at my head. Be happy right in the middle of it. I, want so, I, like, I like this, this joy thing that supersedes stuff. Because I'm not hoping for rocks at my head or any kind of other persecution or death. Um, that's not my desire. <laughs> but if I can get that same stuff while I'm serving the Lord just every day, 
then that's a good thing. So uh, Luke 9, Jesus said here, uh, verse 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake uh, will save it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You see a simple key here and a simple principle that we all probably have, many of us have heard and known, we recognize, but this is simple and true. The way that we enter in is by forgetting about ourselves, setting aside our own desires, our own wants, our own issues and stuff. I'm ready to lose my life. Well, if you'd lose your life, you know, understand the world doesn't think like this. It's all looking out for number one. What about me? I'm fighting. I'm clawing. I'm trying to save up. I'm working this. I'm, I'm working my magic. You know, I'm doing all this stuff to, to, uh, to help me and to, and to boost my life. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. You'll end up disappointed at the end of that. All that's said and done, you'll be dissatisfied. However, if you'll lose your life, you'll get everything you hoped and dreamed for. If you'll give it all up. It's a step of faith. It is. It's why, you know, it's, it's said that true Christianity is not real popular. People don't want to take that step of faith. I'm talking true Christianity, not just I go to a church that says it's Christian. Huh? I'm talking about the real deal where we experience the glory and grace and peace of God continually. Why don't more people have it? Because they won't step off the cliff with the only thing holding them up is the power of God. They'd rather, rather just live with on the edge, little toe in, little toe in. So, ooh, that's good. Ooh, I like that. Oh, I love the Lord. And then live sad and live with struggles and, well, we'll just send in prayer requests. Well, I got, you know, you might not want to send it to me. I, I probably can't say this as a Because I'm likely just to pray that you'll be miserable. <laughs> Not that that's my desire. Say, well, you're a mean pastor. <laughs> my desire is stronger that a person will stop with the nonsense of barely touching God and get a full embrace of Him. Have a prayer life that's real, that's personal that's powerful, that they have made a connection with Him themselves. Hmm. I don't mean I don't pray for people for positive stuff. I do. But I'm telling you, sometimes people substitute their own, uh, their own experience with God and they just want a little tiny bit just to know I'm going to sneak into heaven by the skin of my teeth and my life is a disaster, so pray for me. No, pray for yourself, you turkey. You know better than to live like that. You know better than to call yourself a Christian and just act like, you know, God, has, God loves you. The Father Himself loves you. The Holy Spirit was given to you. Go for it. Live with Him. I don't have any greater access to the Father than you do than anyone else. The person who's born again today is no more less a child of God, less saved than the person who's been 
you know, living a good life and walking with God for 50 years. That's the good thing about the Lord. We all get full access to all of His promises and all of His goodness, and He loves us all the same. And so if someone says, well, that's what I want, well, good, good. I'm on board with you, and I'll pray and agree and stand and and everything I need to do to help a person. But when a person just won't, they just mm, refuse. I'm going to, I'm just going to maintain my way my whole life. Eh, I don't really like that. Everybody okay with this today? I don't want to. I don't want to close weak. But here's here's my here's my challenge. Uh, we're all in this together, and uh, I just want to say, what are you what are you doing with it? What what's, what what are you going to do with these principles, these truths, these directives from the Word? What are you going to do with them in your own life? How's it going to affect your own prayer life? How's it going to? Could you find could you find ten things? this week that God did for you? I'm not even talking answers to prayer. That, that would definitely be part of it. But just, He's just with you and you recognize, oh, He saved me here. He helped me here. He, he, helped, he reminded me of this. He, and then other stuff. Healed of this and, and, and He told me this and all that kind of fine. Walked on water, you know, split a sea, uh, made an axe head float, whatever you do. You know, all, all, all the other stuff that seems more thrilling, but even down to the, to, to the seemingly little stuff. Could you acknowledge Him? Then we're going in the right direction. Amen. Amen. Father, we're so thankful today for what You're doing, for what You're working in us. Oh, the good pleasure of Your will. It's at work in us. Lord, You're helping us to see, getting the smudges off our, our cameras and lenses. Thank You, Lord, for working in us helping us to see you clearly and experience you greatly. We enjoy your holy presence. Thank you, Lord, for joy and pleasure that is all of you. I pray, Father, and I ask even now for each and every person that they'd be filled again with your your spirit, filled from within, (laughs) an overflowing, a bubbling up, a stir from within that overwhelms and satisfies a deep satisfaction. Thank you for working in us today. You're so wonderful. We acknowledge you. You've saved us. You've helped us. You've protected us. And you continually do so every day. We give you all the glory. Father, I pray for those who are not saved yet. Draw them to Yourself. Move on their hearts now. In Jesus' name.